This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're asking, is Dr. Gary Nolan a UFO gatekeeper? That's correct. Is Dr. Gary Nolan a UFO gatekeeper? What I'm talking about is... It seems that there is a select group of uh, UFO celebrities, uh, DOD personalities, and they have a function of limiting the amount of disclosure that we're given. Even when they discuss uh, famous cases often, it seems as though the data has been compartmentalized and throttled down to where people really aren't able to get to the uh, real serious questions surrounding this stuff. One of these cases we talked about recently was with uh, Gary Nolan, Dr. Gary Nolan, and Jacques Vallée uh, studying this uh, UFO metamaterial that was recovered from an incident over in Council Bluffs, Iowa, back in 1977. Now, we're going to go over the case a little bit. Just kind of roughly sketch this out for you. No doubt about it, this stuff came from some kind of a UFO, some kind of a spaceship, something. You don't just end up with you know, 100 pounds or so of molten uh, iron laying out in a pasture uh, far from uh, anywhere as far as how it could have got there. I mean, this stuff was seen falling out of the sky. It was recovered. And here we are, what, 50 years later uh, nearly, and Nolan and Valet did a study on this stuff. Pretty clearly, this stuff did not come uh, uh, from uh, anything terrestrial, although it mimics stuff we have here on Earth. The way it showed up clearly demonstrates that this stuff is actual UFO metamaterial. But the way that the uh, peer-reviewed study these guys uh, created presents this stuff, it just dances all the way around it. And we're going to read some comments from Nolan that indicate to me a pattern, a pattern where something uh, very uh, interesting, uh, very earth-shattering actually is discovered. These guys uh, kind of admit to it, but they're holding back on the evidence because of some future technological advance that it might offer. They're the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers of all this UFO disclosure. Now, in case you don't know who Gary Nolan is, if you go to Wikipedia, you'll see that he was born in 1961. He's an American immunologist, academic inventor, and business executive. Guy's got to be pretty smart. But he also blocked me on Twitter, as I've said many times. I don't know. I've never really said anything bad about him. I think the reason he blocked me was because 
I poked fun at Louis Elizondo and questioned some of his comments, and it appears as though him and Louis must be good friends, or they're at least in that same social circle. Now, it says he graduated in 1983 from Cornell University with a BS in biology with a specialization in genetics. In 89, he got his PhD from Stanford under Leonard Hosenberg, and then he's just done a ton of work. It's got a whole paragraph of super high-powered research he's done, and he started some companies. I mean, a bunch of different biotech companies. One here says uh, a company big data company BINA Technology was founded in 2010 and bought out by Roche in 2014 for $107 million. Now, uh, strangely enough, he started off in biology, but then ended up in UFOlogy. I guess he can. He's at that age where he doesn't really care. He has so much money. But it says in 2012, Nolan began analysis on the Atacama skeleton, a corpse from Chile that UFOlogists had speculated to be of alien origin, which he later revealed to be a mummified human stillbirth with genetic bone defects and gene mutation causing deformity. Now, I'm going to do another show on this Atacama skeleton because I thought this thing was just stranger than all get out. It didn't look a bit human to me. It looked like a little tiny alien. But, you know, you turn it over to this super intelligent hotshot uh, researcher and he tells you, well, it does look like an alien, but that's because uh, it was mummified at stillbirth. It's got some genetic bone defects and gene mutations that cause a deformity. Well, this is the most strangely deformed little critter I've ever seen. And, you know, there was things about this thing, about how many, I mean, about the teeth, about the ribs, a lot of different things about how the bones were formed that made a lot of people think that this thing was a non-human entity. What interests me is that Gary Nolan was the guy that this stuff was taken to, and he put the hammer on it. Now, did they take it to another uh, researcher and get a, a dissenting opinion? Not that I'm aware of, but this is a kind of gatekeeper activity that concerns me about Dr. Gary Nolan. I'm seeing it with this, Atomos, this Atacama skeleton, and I'm seeing it with this metamaterial that came out of Council Bluffs, Iowa from this 1977 UFO incident, and we're going to get into that right now. Now, to develop some background on this, we first need to look at what happened in 1977 there at Council Bluffs. And this first article comes to us from uh, us1049quadcities.com. I will have a link over at the Ko-Fi website. Uh, you can link to all these articles. As always, thank you to the folks that support over there and at Spotify. And also, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe. It doesn't cost a dime. Now, this starts off. It says, this is one of the biggest alien sightings in Iowa. Uh, uh, author here, Jake, published October 11th, 2023, says Council Bluff's top recreation destination is usually considered to be Big Creek Lake, but on December 17th, 1977, this spot would be anything but relaxing. To this day, there are many claims of UFOs visiting the area. It goes on, it says, there's no question there was a fireball of molten metal in Big Lake Park. Eleven independent witnesses can confirm that as well as the Council Bluffs Fire Department and Police Department. So what you had there was a mass sighting with the Police Department and the Fire Department. We're told Council Bluffs is a city and the county seat of Potawatomi County, Iowa, United States. 
It is the most populous city in southwest Iowa, as well as the third largest and a primary city of the Omaha Council Bluffs metropolitan area. It is located on the east bank of the Missouri River across from Omaha, Nebraska. So if you're looking at a map there of Iowa, it's clear over on the west side of that state, down on the uh, lower uh, left-hand side, I guess you would say. The article states that uh, local resident Chris Moore is visiting the park saw something very strange hovering in the sky. While the story may be different depending on who you hear it from, almost everyone agrees that something crashed in the area. No remnants of alien life were found, but carbon steel remains of the mysterious craft didn't have an easy explanation. Now, they're calling this metamaterial remains of the craft, but the description is that this stuff was just kind of expelled from it, almost like waste perhaps. It says, it should be noted that no photos were ever captured. Samples of the metal were analyzed and determined to be a simple high carbon steel, something we'd use for manufacturing. Well, of course we know that this steel kind of had almost a foamy uh, substance to it. I mean, it wasn't like normal steel. In fact, it was it was what we would consider almost kind of trashy or junky. That's why they said it wouldn't have come off a satellite or anything in outer space. It just wouldn't have been good enough quality for that. Now, it says this again is strange, seeing as though many people reported this metal crashing to Earth. Well, of course, the 11 people there saw it fall out of this craft. While it is a UFO, many are saying it was an alien, but just something falling out of the sky. What do you think? Now, look, how silly do you have to be? How often does molten uh, carbon steel fall from the sky? Not too often, unless maybe you've got a crashed satellite, a crashed uh, piece of space junk maybe, or I don't know, even an airplane, that would be pretty rare. The fact is this stuff came out of a UFO, was witnessed by 11 people, plus the fire department, plus the police who showed up there. Obviously, this stuff is not man-made, and why uh, Dr. Gary Nolan and Jacques Vallée wouldn't just come out and say that, or at least present the evidence that is so overwhelming, well, why wouldn't you do that? You might not do that if you were a gatekeeper and your job was to clog this stuff up and slowly drip, drip, drip it out so that you and your friends had time to monetize the new technology or the new uh, information, knowledge, whatever that you had just discovered. Just a thought. Not making an accusation, just putting it out there. Now, I want to look at one more article here uh, talking about this 1977 UFO incident before we get into uh, Nolan's research and what's so weird about it. So I came across this story from uh, Historical and Preservation Society at Pottawatomie County, County Seat, Council Bluffs, Iowa. It says, and you can find it on uh, www.thehistoricalsociety.org. I'll have the link over there at the Ko-Fi site. The title says, Close Encounter at Big Lake Park. And then it tells us, on the evening of December 17, 1977, something spectacular happened in Council Bluffs. Over 40 years later, no one still is sure what it was. There's no question there was a fireball of molten metal in Big Lake Park. 11 independent witnesses can confirm that, as well as the Council Bluffs fire department and police department how it got there or what it was is the unsolved mystery at 7:45 p.m saturday evening three young people on their way to the richmond gordman store on north 16th street noticed a reddish object 
about 500 to 600 feet in the air, falling straight down. It disappeared behind the trees of Big Lake Park, followed by a flash of bluish-white light and two arms of fire shooting over 10 feet in the air, suggesting an impact. The three drove to the park and got out to investigate, arriving to see a glowing orange blob with a bluish crystalline substance in its center on a dike about 16 feet from the road. One of them noted it looked like a great big sparkler. Lava-like material was running down the dike, appearing to slow as it cooled. It was too hot to touch and ignited a small grass fire. A couple in their early 20s saw a big round thing hovering in the sky below the treetops and also drove to the park. They summoned the fire department. When Assistant Fire Chief Jack Moore arrived on the scene 15 minutes later, the object was still glowing. Molten metal covering a 6 by 4 foot area and approximately 4 inches thick. Chief Moore requested a police cruiser. He described the material as some kind of metal and you can't break it and you can't bend it. Epley Airfield and, Alf and Offutt Air Force Base were contacted but knew nothing about it, denying that any aircraft crash had occurred. Offutt officials didn't seem terribly interested. A third couple also came forward reporting a bright red object rocketing to the ground at Big Lake. So you have all these people reporting it, but Offutt Air Force Base isn't interested. I mean, you would think that they would be interested. They're supposed to be protecting our skies, protecting us. You have this molten piece of metal falling out of the sky. Nobody cares. It goes on. It says samples of the metal were analyzed and determined to be a simple high-carbon steel of a type common in manufacturing. So what was it that melted in Big Lake Park that night? Could it have been a meteor? No, the debris would have been rock, not metal. Piece of an aircraft. It would not have fallen in a semi-molten state. Satellite. Those are made with lightweight metals having high alloy content, not heavy manufacturing metal. Space junk. Something falling all the way from outer space should have made a significant crater upon impact and wouldn't have been molten. It goes on and says, of course there is one additional possibility. The reason the event defies earthly explanation may be that it isn't from Earth at all, though the thought of aliens blowing up at their spaceship over Council Bluffs seems a bit far-fetched. Dr. Jacques Vallée, a computer scientist who has compiled a database of thousands of sightings, says that there are at least nine other incidents that could be explained by an alien aerial object in distress ejecting molten metal. What was ejected could have been part of a liquid metal electrical system of the flying object's power plant. While this technology doesn't exist on Earth at this time, it is theoretically feasible and possibly something an advanced culture may employ. And now here we are, what, 45, 50 years later, and we're looking at this stuff to see what is going on. And now we're going to talk about that. Now, getting into the study and just why Gary Nolan uh, seems to have uh, corralled this data and really kept it from uh, achieving its maximum speed upon release and why I think he is, in fact, a UFO uh, gatekeeper. This article is from StanfordMag.org, and apparently this is his old you know, hometown stomp, stomping ground. It says, uh, first contact, Gary Nolan is a man you call when there's no earthly explanation, July 2023. Well, 
he might also be the first guy you call uh, when the explanation is simply that this stuff is extraterrestrial or, or interdimensional and you would really like to have the story smashed kind of like with the Atacama mummy or maybe with the 1977 uh, Council Bluffs uh, UFO metamaterial uh, if it's it's here we have it we have the story we have witnesses apparently many of them still alive but we don't want the story to get out because if it got out people would have to really deal with this in-your-face UFO encounter that left behind actual metamaterial. Now it's got a very flattering picture of Mr. Nolan here staring into a screen. It says this article is by Sam Scott. Starts off, it says, Gary Nolan has published more than 300 papers over a 30-year career as an immunologist, but none like the one that appeared in January 2022 issue of Progress in Aerospace Sciences. It wasn't just that the article and journal had nothing to do with the typical interest of a Stanford professor of pathology, in Nolan's case, cancer, biology, pathogenic infection, and retroviral design. It was that the paper explored a topic that few academics of any stripe seriously consider in their work, the possibility of UFOs. Now, of course, you see here, it set him up as the expert. Obviously, he is a very smart guy and a very rich guy. And now he's going to be the authority figure that tells you about UFOs. Now the article says the paper revisited Council Bluffs, Iowa, where a luminous red mass was reported as having fallen to earth on a cold December night in 1977. The event, observed by multiple witnesses, we know at least 11, including two who claimed to have seen a hovering object, left some 35 to 55 pounds of molten iron smoldering in a field. Now, I think I said 100, but they say here 35 to 55. Confounding investigators who ruled out meteorites, satellites, or aircraft as the cause, nor did they find plausible signs of hoax. Well, good for them for saying that. It says, Nolan, Ph.D. 89, and three co-authors used modern technology to reassess the materials the results weren't earth-shaking. The metal they found was mostly iron with isotopically ordinary elements, albeit atypically mixed. Nonetheless, their paper was quietly historic. After positing possible earthly explanations, Nolan and his colleagues noted that the iron could have been discarded fuel from an advanced aerial vehicle. It was the first, and to Nolan's knowledge, the only time a paper in a mainstream, peer-reviewed journal had seriously interrogated alleged UFO air artifacts, though I didn't know you could interrogate a non a, a non-human thing. Huh? Wow, weird. Though the uh, though the authors were careful not to draw conclusions, the paper's broader goal, Nolan says, was to present data in a manner that could be applied to other remnants of alleged UFO encounters to create a pipeline of research and ultimately would bring scientific clarity to a realm which it has been in short supply. In good science, you work on what is possible, Nolan says. Slowly moving up the proof of scale is the best way to do science. Boy, that's some serious gobbledygook. So what he's telling you is, we reviewed the case, we found the metal, and there's no way in the world this could have been hoaxed. Now, it does look like some kind of low-grade iron, whatever. And the only plausible explanation was is that this thing came out of an aerial vehicle. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was interdimensional. I guess you could call that aerial. But Nolan, he tells you this. He's like, okay, yeah, it's in your face. Yeah, it's something that could have been made on Earth, but 
there would be no reason for it to be here. And yeah, people did see it fall out of the sky. So yeah, maybe it fell out of the sky. And then he just drops it. Boom. Because, you know, we're going to create a pipeline of research. Well, how about just a pipeline of disclosure of talking about the truth? So he had the opportunity to, as in his role as this highfalutin Stanford uh, professor, he could have come out and said, look, we've tested the metal. We've looked at the case. The only plausible explanation is this thing, is that this thing came from somewhere else came out of a vehicle. We had no vehicles that could produce that kind of molten iron at altitude, drop it off over a field somewhere, then it must have been ET or interdimensional. But he wouldn't take that step. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He, when, 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 the light, when the light was shining on that bit of truth, he turned the light off. And then he told you, in good science, you work on what is possible. Well, in good science, don't you work on what is impossible? It was impossible that that, that, that metal came from any man-made object. Come on, Gary. Tell us the truth. Let common sense prevail. Don't just take it this far and stop and say, you really don't need to know any more, sheep. I've told you enough. But see, it's like they're having this... Uh, Private converse, this private conversation between themselves. They're just going to bring out just enough so that it's on the record. It's as if they have to put this out there so that at some point down the road, if there's a truth commission, they can say, hey, I told them. They just didn't listen. Poor dumb sheep. The article continues and says, at a time of heightened interest in UFOs, Nolan has become a point person on the topic being quoted in newspapers, appearing on television, consulting with military officials, and founding a nonprofit to work on the implications of alien spacecraft on policy, science, and the economy, all while batting away the slings and arrows of skeptics. If there are others doing this, they're doing it more quietly because people are still afraid of the stigma, says Leslie Keene, an investigative journalist who has covered UFOs for the New York Times and publications. I think he's absolutely unique. So there you have one member of the UFO Mafia complimenting another young and upcoming member of the UFO Mafia. He sold that company for $102 million. I guess he can start a nonprofit if he wants. It says, uh, Nolan's role at the Sanford School of Medicine, of course, is about something different altogether. He is known as a trailblazing biotech toolmaker, a reputation that stretches back to his days as a postdoc for Nobel Laureate David Baltimore of MIT. There, Nolan co-developed a widely used system that harnesses retroviruses to deliver DNA to cells. Isn't that interesting? Harnesses retroviruses to deliver DNA to cells. Boy, what could you do with that? An essential tactic in, tactic in gene therapy. He realized that by creating platforms for scientists, he could achieve an influence surpassing that of his own lab discoveries. Well, yeah, bring them all together. I'm not the world's best immunologist, he says, but my tools are used by the world's best immunologist. Nolan's more recent success spun off into several startups 
have come in the realms of deep cellular analysis and imaging devices. If Gary does something new, everyone is going to set up and pay attention, says Peter O'Toole, head of imaging cytometry at the University of York in England, who interviewed Nolan last year for his pathology podcast, Flow Stars. Look, they want to coordinate and capture this UFO knowledge the same way that they have coordinated and captured all of our other advanced knowledge. Don't be fooled for a second. At least that's in my opinion. Now it goes on here a little bit. I'm bragging about what a great guy Nolan is. Obviously he's a very intelligent guy. Obviously he's a very wealthy guy. It says, meanwhile, Nolan's introduction to the field was experiential. In, in, in an indelible childhood memory, Nolan recalls seeing an apparent spacecraft above the woods while on his newspaper route in his hometown of Windsor, Connecticut. And another, as a five or six-year-old, he awoke to alien figures in his bedroom. Decades later, in a bookstore, he saw the cover of Communion, a true story, Whitley Stryber's best-selling account of his own alleged encounters with aliens. I just remember having a near-nervous breakdown because it was what I had seen as a child in my bedroom, no one says. This is a very deep and very strange story. This is a case where these things have abducted somebody, they've turned them to their side, and now they're working against us? I don't know. Do we know that? I don't think we're getting near enough clarity on Mr. Nolan's experience, his own UFO and alien experience. Like I said, it looks to me clearly like he was abducted. These things are in his room. He's a kid. He has a near-nervous breakdown when he's presented with uh, pictures of him. Weird, weird stuff. Now, it says those experiences cemented his interest in the extraterrestrial, but they didn't have much effect on Nolan's day-to-day. How do we know that? You've got this guy who tells us he's had these deeply personal and emotionally intense interactions with aliens. It turns out he's got a super high genius IQ. We don't know what happened. Then, in 2012, he learned that a documentary film crew would have access to a tiny mummified skeleton discovered a decade earlier in the Atacama Desert of northern Chile. Ada, as the skeleton was nicknamed, had an array of unusual physical characteristics including 10 ribs instead of the usual 12, giant eye sockets, and an elongated skull that had fueled rumors it was of alien origins. Look this thing up, it looks like an alien. Nolan, who suspected the skeleton was terrestrial, offered his team services to clarify its provenance. Well, how about that? He's just hes just like, hey, I got all this cool equipment, guys. i take a look at that for you. I'll let you know what it is. DNA testing, okay, done by them, soon established, I'm assuming, soon established that the remains were of a girl, perhaps stillborn, with a constellation of rare mutations. But Nolan's involvement had another purpose. When I agreed to be in the movie, I was like, okay, this is going to bring me to the attention of people who might really know what's going on, and maybe people will contact me, he said, and they did. Well, maybe he's one of those people. Maybe he already knew what was going on. Maybe this whole thing's a limited hangout. Maybe the uh, uh, mummy from the Atacama Desert uh, actually showed up something totally different than we're told. I don't know. This looks like a gatekeeping operation to me. That's just my opinion. Not long after the release of the documentary, Cyrus, in 2013, two men stopped by his campus lab. Nolan declines to name them, but says one claimed to be ex-CIA, the other an executive with an aerospace company. There you go. 
revolving door from the CIA to the aerospace company. And guess what? Dr. Gary Nolan can't tell you who they are, won't tell you who they are. They came carrying MRIs showing brain scans of pilots, intelligence agents, and others suffering from a host of ailments whose possible causes included alleged proximity to UFOs. They knew that Nolan, a pioneer in a technology called Cytoff that was revolutioning cell analysis, had a powerful machine for blood analysis and they wanted his help getting more data. Nolan signed on to the project. His path would bring him into contact with veteran UFO scholars, including Valet, who would co-author the Council Bluffs paper and government officials investigating UFO reports. One of them was Jay Stratton, another OG UFO celebrity mafia member, who retired from the U.S. government in 2022 as the first director of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. He gave Nolan's name to pilots who were concerned they'd been exposed to the propulsion system of UFOs, but were reluctant to speak with a military doctor. He was he has just been one of the guys in my Rolodex and he's there anytime we need him and his expertise, Stratton says. Well how convenient. And the door goes round and round and round. One might surmise that a scientist would pay a reputational cost for embracing what was once largely seen as tabloid fodder. Nolan recalls a senior figure from the National Cancer Institute taking him aside in a bar around 2014 to warn him he was ruining his career. Nolan is an easy conversationalist, but he'll throw niceties to the wind if someone tells him scientists should hold certain topics out of bounds. That's how a scientist operates, Nolan says. If you take a potential solution off the table and you throw it in the garbage, you would spend the rest of eternity searching around on the table for the answer and you threw it in the garbage. He soon had the man in retreat. Well, what did he do with the study from Council Bluffs? It looks to me like they took the uh, real evidence that this thing had to be either extra dimensional or extraterrestrial and threw it in the garbage because they kind of put it in there that it could be that, but the facts are so overwhelming that just through the process of el elimination, it's the only answer. Moreover, Nolan contends the research payoff could be high. Take the discoveries that led to the microprocessor. Now, there you go. Do you see why they might want to hide this stuff from you? Imagine the billions and billions of dollars that have been made and will be made off of the microprocessor. Who knows what little clue they could find in that uh, sample of iron from Council Bluffs that might just be the secret to something. Just that little insight about how to manipulate semiconductors changed civilization, Nolan says. Imagine if there is a non-human intelligence here doing something extraordinary with physics and we're ignoring it because we just don't think it fits our equations. Well, sure. Well, sure. Imagine if there's some non-human intelligence, notice he doesn't say ETs, here doing something and you've been on board their craft or whatever these things are they're bringing into our reality. Imagine if you've been having conversations with these things. Imagine if you are in collusion with these things and they have promised you unimaginable wealth and power just to keep your mouth shut, just to dribble out the facts, just to act as a gatekeeper for all of this UFO disclosure. Imagine that. 
That's what I'm imagining. And I'm starting to see that picture with lots and lots of these UFO celebrities, these UFO mafia members. It's as if they are working in collusion with whatever's causing these things. Why is it they shut down the investigation of cattle mutilations every time? Why is it that NASA always cuts the feed when the UFOs show up? Why is it that the media kings always demand that people who see this stuff are depersoned to try to make them virtual outcasts of society? I think we're looking at a gatekeeper class. And I have to ask myself after reading these articles and after seeing how Dr. Gary Nolan reacted to this study from this material over there in Council Bluffs and how everything was just shaded and kept under the rug in my opinion. Clearly, it looks to me like we have gatekeepers and all of these key positions keeping us in the dark. Do your own disclosure. And until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.